The holidays are all about long-held traditions. But where did these traditions come from? And why did some of the old ones fade away? In this episode, we'll explore how the Victorians shaped the way we celebrate Christmas today, and we'll revive a tradition that I personally feel should make a comeback. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. I'm saving the stories for a little bit later this time, so let's delve right into the history, shall we? Christmas wasn't always as celebrated as it is today. In the early 19th century, many people and businesses didn't consider it a holiday. According to an article by BBC, Queen Victoria's marriage to Prince Albert is largely attributed to that change. Prince Albert brought his German traditions that forever changed the way we now celebrate Christmas. The tradition of putting up a Christmas tree, for example, spread into British culture. In 1848, the Illustrated London News published a drawing of the royal family around their decorated tree. During Victorian times, trees were decorated with candies, small gifts, candles, and other homemade ornaments. Another new tradition that emerged during the Victorian times was the holiday greeting card. In 1843, Henry Cole commissioned the art for a holiday card. The cards weren't affordable to the general public, but this inspired children to begin making their own cards for their loved ones. Over the next few decades, though, industrialization made printing more accessible, and by the 1880s, it had become a massive industry, producing 11.5 million cards per year. The art of decorating was encouraged by the popular magazines at the time, and people began spending lots of time and care to create elaborate, elegant decorations for every public space in the home, as well as the outside. Before the Victorian era, gift-giving was generally practiced at New Year. This quickly shifted after the Victorians began to embrace Christmas in huge, celebratory form. Early on, the gifts were homemade treats and trinkets, but as the years passed, the gifts became bigger and more store-bought, and they moved under the tree. But Queen Victoria and Prince Albert aren't the only figures responsible for the Christmas traditions we know and love today. In 1843, Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol. An instant bestseller, A Christmas Carol began as an appeal from Dickens to help the needy. John Broche wrote in an article from Time magazine, quote, Dickens set out to write his pamphlet-turned-book in spring of 1843, having just read government report on child labor in the United Kingdom. Dickens read the testimony of girls who sewed dresses for the expanding market of middle-class consumers. They regularly worked 16 hours a day, six days a week, rooming above the factory floor. He read of eight-year-old children who dragged coal carts through tiny subterranean passages over a standard 11-hour workday. These were not exceptional stories, 
but ordinary. Dickens wrote to one of the government investigators that the descriptions left him stricken. The need of the poor impassioned Dickens so much that he managed to write A Christmas Carol in only two months' time. There were mixed opinions about how to help the impoverished during those days. Some believed that helping temporarily would hinder their ability to remedy the state they found themselves, while others called for a revolution. And still others, like Thomas Paine, encouraged systems to be set in place to help those who needed it. But Dickens proposed something else entirely in A Christmas Carol. His tale suggests that it is the business owner who should look after their employees. An even more important takeaway is that those who are on top are not there because they are more worthy than those who trickle down below. Each of us, in fact, never chose what family, what economic circumstance, or to what place we were born into. Nor are we promised that the circumstances of our lives should remain the same always. We're all merely a few decisions, a few lost paychecks, a death of a family member, or some other event that could shake the very foundations of our entire lives. So, as Scrooge learns, we must be generous and kind when we can, because we never know when it will be us who needs that generosity returned. Dickens and A Christmas Carol helped cement the traditions Victorians were beginning to build around the season, as well as inspiring some new ones. Family gatherings, generosity, as well as foods served during the holiday all were a part of A Christmas Carol's influence on the Victorians and are still a part of our traditions today. Dickens and others played on the 19th century fascination with ghosts and spirits. The tradition of exchanging ghost stories in front of a fire during the long, dark, cold winter months goes back for centuries. Even Shakespeare and Marlowe paid homage to it in their works. Ghost stories were frowned upon by Puritans, so the tradition never caught on in America until Washington Irving began writing them. But it was Dickens' tale that truly inspired the tradition of telling ghost stories on Christmas Eve. But the tradition of ghost telling on Christmas has faded, largely due to the celebration of Halloween and the proximity of the two. Scottish and Irish immigrants brought the tradition of Halloween with them, and even though it began as a celebration of their culture, Americans clung to the paranormal aspects, and the rest is history. We now associate ghosts with October and decorations, food, and giving to December. So, in an effort to revive the tradition of ghost stories told on Christmas, I have three to share with you. According to legend, a young, beautiful bride was set to be married on Christmas Day in the early 17th century. After the ceremonial feast, she suggested they all play a game of hide-and-seek. The guests searched and searched for hours, but Anne, the bride, was nowhere to be found. Her husband, the lord of the manor, was completely devastated. Guests began to whisper that Anne had planned this and had escaped from an unwanted marriage. Months turned into years, and Anne was never found. Her husband never stopped looking. 
One day, over 50 years later, he was in the attic and discovered a secret door that he never knew was there. Behind the door, he found an ornate chest. When he pried it open, he found the remains of Anne, still wearing her wedding dress and holding her mistletoe bouquet. Scratch marks scarred the inside of the lid. The Mistletoe Bride is a story of utter horror that has been associated with several manors in England, many of them still showcasing the chest. Brom's Hill House seems to be the most likely source of the tale, though. Brom's Hill is considered one of the most haunted houses in England. One of the many ghosts reported to roam the halls is that of Anne, the Christmas bride, who didn't survive her game of hide-and-seek. Rue's Hall in Suffolk is home to another Christmas haunt. Outside of Rue's Hall is a hanging tree. The oak was witness to the execution of many local criminals, and Rue's Hall is also known for having a devil's footprint or hoof print on one of the walls, and a small girl's apparition has been seen in the top window peering at the people below. But perhaps the most terrifying spook of Rue's Hall is that of a headless horseman who rides down the drive with four black horses pulling a phantom coach on Christmas Eve. Speaking of headless, let's add another lady named Anne to our menagerie of holiday ghosts. Anne Boleyn, the legendary second wife to King Henry VIII, after a long and difficult time of ending his first marriage with Catherine of Aragon and ultimately breaking England's ties with the Catholic Church, King Henry married Anne Boleyn. But he was soon bored with his new wife, choosing to believe rumors that Anne had been unfaithful, and he had her beheaded in 1536. Anne seems to be an active ghost, haunting more than one location. Hever Castle, her childhood home, is perhaps one of her favorites. It's been said that her ghost can be seen gliding across the bridge over Eden River toward Hever Castle, proving there truly is no place like home for the holidays. Christmas is a time of storytelling. It always has been. We still enjoy holiday movies and books, Cold winter nights are best spent cuddle up with something warm to drink, completely absorbed in a story. It's these stories and time with family and friends that make the holidays so magical. And speaking of magical stories, I just wanted to take a moment to thank each of you individually for a really wonderful two years. Today marks the second anniversary of the Fabled Podcast, and it's truly been wonderful. I can't help but look back at all the episodes, all the things I've learned to make this audio production happen, and I'm incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to be in your ear sharing stories that intrigue and inspire. A modern creator wears many hats. We tackle the unknown often. In fact, I'd venture to say that modern creators are comfortable with the unknown. We never know where a project may lead us, which is what's truly inspiring and exciting. 
And this podcast has been a safe place for me to explore the many tales that have flowed through my world. One of the ways I gauge what is a good episode theme is by how much I am learning through the research. It's my sincerest hope that you found these episodes both entertaining and educational, as that is my ultimate goal for everything we do at Fable Collective. I've had the privilege of connecting with many wonderful people in these past two years, and I've gained friendships I know will span for many years to come. And though I've been a writer for over 11 years now, I have never been a part of anything more rewarding than this show. It encompasses so many of my passions, and your love and encouragement has kept me motivated and pressing forward, even when times were hard. Oh, 2020. (laughs) I'm believing and preparing for an amazing 2021, though. So much of this year has felt like a stripping away of the magic of life. We've all been isolated, living with fear, numb because of the immense amount of chaos around us, We've been overwhelmed and under-encouraged, and there's no denying that some of our peace had been lost. But lean in, listen closely. Next year, no matter what, I vow to bring you a fairy tale, a compelling mystery, a walk through the forest. Because together, we will continue to build the world of our dreams, one episode at a time. I'm truly believing that the world will get better together. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for listening, for sharing, for reviewing the show. I can't tell you how much it means to me. And to my beloved patrons, y'all are the foundation of it all. (laughs) You make everything possible. So much love to you. This episode's music is brought to you by Kevin McLeod. As always, my dear friend, thank you for listening, and here's to another year. Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas.